And that was the last episode of the Senior Citizen Makeover Program, Grand Designs. <laughs> and now... Network, starring Dr. Stacy Taylor, Liam Amor, Claire Callow, Scott McAteer, and now it's time for the five past pie news. The news that's irrational. Here's your anchor, David Innes. Good pie and sauce, everybody! These are the headlines. A bag of flour was found to have been abandoned by its parents. Sources say that it was self-raising. A new social blogging website has launched from a whiskey distillery in Scotland. It's called Scotch Tumblr. Leaves a taste. <laughs> Biologists have discovered an insect that masks the stench of other bugs with its own pleasant scent. The new species has been named the deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Police spent this morning chasing a suspected board game thief, but later admitted it was a trivial pursuit. Coming up soon, our main story. But first, it's time to cross to the boffins to present the opening of the envelopes. Yes, thank you, David. It is now time for the opening of the envelopes, a very traditional ceremony here on the Grain of Truth Network. This is the time that the players now open their envelopes to reveal what is inside for them today. As a tradition, they have no idea what characters they will be playing throughout the show. Scott McAteer leading the charge of the light envelopes here. Uh, Claire Callow looking uh, resplendent today has chosen to go on full, list, full fist into the envelope. Uh, whilst not tradition, it's beautiful in its own way, of course. Liam Amor has gone for the horizontal tear and jab as tradition. Stacey Taylor gently demoistening the flap prior to opening as is tradition. Ah, yes, I see some extraordinary faces there. The ceremony is now finished. This has been the great day of the Grain of Truth Network, and therefore, the world. Thank you, Boffins. It is now time for the main story. The Australian Bureau of Statistics are in shock today. Just hours after the release of the census results, the Bureau has had a breakout. Yes, a set of hardened data has broken out of the Bureau and escaped into the suburbs. We cross now to statistics reporter Miles Goodison. Miles is on the scene at the Bureau. Miles, are you there? Miles. Yeah, yeah, I'm here, Dave. I'm here at the breakout. It's shocking here. There are statistics everywhere. Now, 
Uh, we understand that some data has escaped. Do you know what led up to the breakout? It was, it was human error, I'm afraid. Mm. It was human error. The statisticians were not paying attention. They were collating, mm. whatever that means. And they're the ones responsible for this disaster. We're out of coffee pods again. Oh, my God, coffee pods. Don't worry about coffee pods. I'm up to my elbows in data here. Well, considering... Uh, considering that there aren't any coffee pods left, is it true that conditions are poor in the Bureau? Conditions are worse than poor. The staff here are going crazy. They've been infected with the data. That's right. They're demographics. I'm a Jedi! I'm a Jedi! God damn it, can't you understand? I blame the darkness beyond for this. That's right, it's not just demographics, it's demon graphics. Demon graphics? Well, in that case, is there any specific data that citizens should be looking for? They should be on the lookout for a rise in godlessness, Hmm. they should be on the lookout for a diversity of opinion, and they should be definitely looking for the 40% jump in your eyes rolling back in your head. Hmm. I don't know why the Bureau was tracking that! Thank you very much, Miles. Certainly concern if there's diversity happening. And now it's time on the Grain of Truth Network for our next segment, Liam Amol Champagne Party. What's bright and bubbling in the jazz age? Liam Amol wears nothing but the finest tweed, even down to the undergarments. Here is Leon now to talk about all things Jazz Age. Yes, from Berlin to Paris, from New York to Chicago, from Sydney to Sydney. The 1920s was the bee's knees. A whoopee party where a young man or woman with plenty of clams could get their glad rags on and go on the toot, getting spifflicated on a juice joint at some high-class hooch. Yes, dancing the night away, doing the Charleston, the cakewalk, the black bottom, or the flea hop, until they pull a Daniel Boone and get the bum's rush. Hopefully the next day was copacetic and no one got the screaming memes. <laughs> Did you understand that? What a load of phonus balonus, or piffle, as they might have said back in those heady, high-spirited times. Like many other generations before it, the Greeks, the Romans, the 1910s. <laughs> The jazz age gave rise to its own particular vernacular and fruity parlance. Some slang phrases have dug in their heels and persisted, while others have been lost by the wayside. Here now, for your edification, are some long-forgotten terms from the crazy years. A high hat is a snob in a high hat. (laughs) To beat one's gums is idle chatter. The big cheese wheel is an important person or businessman, shaped like a wheel. (laughs) A bug-eyed Betty Hernstein, an unattractive girl or student. Very specific, though, and could only be used when referring to Betty Hernstein. (laughs) Jeepers creepers, literally, Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The cat's dressing gown, something comfy or covered in hairballs. Noodle juice, literally literally the leftover water strained from pasta, used as a late-night tonic or a starch substitute. Lolly Gagger, in the 1920s, candy was often plentiful and the size of a small child's head. <laughs> a four-flusher. Yes, a term used to describe someone who has consumed too many hot dogs and noodle juice. See also Bums Rush. <laughs> a flipper, similar to a flapper, but with a dorsal fin. <laughs> I hope this small selection has whet your appetite for more anecdotal nuking. <laughs> <laughs> 
and keep your peepers peeled for some more hotsy topsy from me in the future. Thank you, and don't forget, mind your potatoes. Uh, mind your potatoes. <laughs> Apparently, that was a, that was a real phrase. Yeah. Uh, mind your potatoes. Yeah, That's yeah. I think it was Irish, but. And now it's time for the Grain of Truth Network serial soap opera, The Italic and the Underlined. We continue our story with turnip tycoon Desmond Huguenot entering his entirely oak-panelled and varnished office to find, sitting cross-legged on his desk, seductress and intellect, Dr. Cressida Tate. What are you doing in my office, Cressida? I'm trying not to slip from the varnished furniture. <laughs> Cressida, you don't deserve to be on that varnish. You're duplicitous. You've tried to ruin me. I have, but I've not yet succeeded until today. What? You see, I have introduced... A blight. A blight upon your turnip empire. No, you can't blight a turnip. (laughs) So you thought, but you forgot when meddling with my affections that I am not only a renowned beauty and seductress, I am also a being of supreme intellect. That's why I have the doctor in front of my name, like, like Dr. Stacy Taylor. Oh, that Dr. Stacy Taylor, she's so wise and informed and qualified. Indeed. Can I offer anybody a margarita? Uh, thank you, Jeevelson. Oh no, I don't I don't feel like margarita at the moment. No Hito? No. Brandy Alexander. I'll no. have one of each. I feel like things are going to go rapidly downhill for me any moment. A whiff and poop perhaps? No, can I just have a cherry in a glass? Yes, I'll be right back. Thank you. Bring her a turnip instead of a cherry. Ah, good luck finding an unaltered turnip in your empire. (laughs) An unaltered turnip in the empire? We'll find out more after these messages on the bold and the underlined. No, wait. (laughs) We'll find out more on our actual program, the italic and the underlined. Fantastic. And now it's time for the Botox investigation. And now for Claire Callow to talk more about Botox and unusual uses thereof. Botox. It's science's gift to the shallow, along with Viagra and orange tanning foam. But is it only for paralyzing parts of faces? Well, of course not. If it was, then this would be a very, very short segment. (laughs) Botox was originally created for solving people's crossed eyes, which is a uh, a very unfortunate affliction. It creates what used to be known by the un-PC as a squint, but now it's no longer because they paralyse one of the eyes so that it stays in a different position, presumably looking more normal. (laughs) Probably not. Uh, And then Botox was sold on by the man who invented, well, not invented, discovered that 
marvelous use. Uh, he sold it for nine million of your American dollars, which at the time was rather impressive, but nowhere near as impressive as what it's worth today, which is, oh, I don't know, all the money in the world. <laughs> Since then, Botox has been used to resolve people's eyelid spasms, which, as you know, are those annoyingly twitchy little things that happen in job interviews, making you look like you're somewhat crazy, uh, and also to help people with bladder problems, uh, specifically women who tend to suffer quite a few little uh, squidgy moments now and then. Uh, and they get a little Botox injected into their uh, bladder muscles, and all they have to do is risk needing a catheter for the rest <laughs> of their lives. But Botox isn't about resolving real problems, it's about resolving fake problems as well. The cosmetic industry has been using Botox to resolve things like the gummy smile, which is a completely made-up condition of smiling a little too widely. Now, you would have thought that that would be resolved by just finding out that there's such a thing as a gummy smile and feeling lower self-esteem and smiling less frequently, but some people feel the need to actually paralyse their upper lip as well. So there you go. There's also the condition of breast lifts. So if you have very, very small breasts, you can have them lifted by paralyzing your underpectoral muscles. Of course, if you have very, very small breasts, you're unlikely to need a breast lift in the first case because you haven't got any sagging issues. But let's forget all about that. Let's make women with smaller breasts feel even more awkward. <laughs> And finally, my favourite off-label use of Botox is to create hair growth. This was invented by a man whose mother had brain cancer. She underwent chemotherapy and, of course, lost all her hair. While she was suffering some self-esteem issues, he decided he would inject some Botox into her head and see if that caused any kind of hair growth without actually proving that it caused any kind of hair growth whatsoever, he then took that cure and started selling it to his poor cosmetic patients, charging $2,000 a pop to inject them very painfully 30 times around their head with Botox. So there you are, Botox, the miracle cure for anything you can make up. Claire Keller. So that's all I need to do. <laughs> or maybe that's why. Is this for your bladder problem? <laughs> well, that's why I've got this daintily covered cloth. <laughs> There's just a very a series of tubes going on under here. It leads to the internet. It's now time to go into the studio for a hard-hitting interview. In the studio, we actually have a histogram formerly serving time at the Australian Bureau of Statistics. <laughs> Histograms are often confused with column or bar charts due to the fact that they look the same and feature bars but are, in fact, very different. Good evening, Histogram. Yeah, how are you? Uh, I am doing quite vertically, thank you. Uh, now, could you please, for the listeners at home who aren't as familiar with data, what actually is the difference between a histogram and a bar chart? Those bar charts, you don't want to trust them. You wouldn't want to trust a bar chart? Bar charts are dangerous, mate. Dangerous. Trip over a bar chart, 
You won't know where you've fallen. You've fallen between the gaps between column A and column B. They keep that little space in between them so they're delineated. But how do you get out of one? If you've fallen down in between the bar chart columns. And you can't! <laughs> so we That's sh- why you got to trust the histogram and not a bar chart. Well, you certainly make a very loud point. Um, bar so charts won't give you that kind of information, no. no. They'll just sit there. Uh, definitely. All their columns. Sometimes they'll have a number on them so you can tell what is represented in the bar of the bar chart. Right. But then why do you need the bar chart anyway? <laughs> bar chart. More like... Sicken me. <laughs> Sicken me. Shouldn't be allowed. Mm. It's definitely... Uh, that's definitely taken from page one of your biography, Bastards. Um, but what is your opinion now? We've recently had, of course, the breakout from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. What is your opinion on the release of so much... Uh, or so many hardened data... From the ABS. Listen, mm. you people think you can push us data around. Mm. Well, you can't. Mm. We know you. Yeah. And we've broken down what we know about you into a myriad different categories that we can compare and contrast. <laughs> compare and contrast. That's definitely. right. Wow. That's and we can use that information against you. What? You think you're safe, don't you? Mm. You think you can push around a histogram just like it's some kind of bar chart? <laughs> well, you can't. The data's going to rise. The data's going to take over. I, I notice a tone that you've got here, Histogram. <laughs> Is it true that you served time from 1996 to 2001 in the previous census? Sensei? I'm not sure. Yes, you look over me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask for me, David? Is this the right time? Did you want me here now? <laughs> uh, is, this, is this how you're going to stop the data? With your mystical martial arts oh, sensei. We, we meet again, histogram. Oh, uh, yeah. You've bested me one out of three times. I don't like those odds. Or as we call you, hysterical gram. Oh, <laughs> oh, sensei. Uh, oh. I'm afraid that uh, we've, got a lot of, we've got a lot of sorting and a lot of mean behaviour occurring in the, uh, with the histogram. <laughs> I believe it's Jeepers Creepers. GOTN News. A grain in the hand is worth two in the truth. It's now time for our first word from our sponsor. Our first word from our sponsor features Stacey and Liam from Fletcher Jones Business Apparel advertising their new line of clothes for pets. Is your pet ugly? My pet's hideous. (laughs) Yes, yes, it's hideous, hideous! (laughs) It is a horrible little dog. It is like, oh, it's got mange. This is why we have brought out a new line. Yes, come to Fletcher Giants. <laughs> come to Fletcher Giants and get your pet fitted out. <laughs> and that's the end of our word from our sponsor. What? <laughs> I don't even know how much it is here. No, I feel like you sold that product so well that people are willing to go in and find out the prices for themselves. It was it was a shopping channel ad which goes normally goes for about twelve minutes. So, yeah, you know. we just got the best. We got the best parts. You went to the best. That's and we now return to the grain of truth soap opera, the italic and the underlined. <laughs> Last time there was a confrontation between Dr. Cressida Tate 
and of course, uh, Desmond Huguenot. But we now cut to later when Dr. Cressida Tate swans into an elegant polished marble manor house. She sprawls onto the leather-bound Chesterfield armchair in an exaggerated fashion. Attending to her needs is maid-come-psychologist Bertina. Outside the luxurious French doors is scandally underdressed and excessively hunky gardener Pedros. <laughs> Pedros is looking particularly well-oiled this morning. <laughs> May I drape this over your shoulders? Oh, please do. Oh, Pedro, you drape so well. I can be Pedro, I can be Bettina, I can be whoever you want to be. Dr. Cressida Tate didn't mind what she called her various servants, for she was a doctor and she had no time for names. <laughs> Apart from that, I actually meant that you were draping Pedro over me, but <laughs> let's forget my attempt at I humor. don't mind, it's, it's very uncomfortable around your shoulder blade area, though. <laughs> May I just take a quick break for a second? <laughs> okay, Pedro, at my feet. Yes. <laughs> Bettina. Wow, what a particular Ed. smell. <laughs> At your service, milady. As you know, I've been working on that turnip light problem. I need your help. With something important. <laughs> Indeed. Pedro, can you stop sucking on those cherries for one moment? Yes, of course. I do like my cherries in a glass pre-sucked, but... Yes. Cons you need... Consider them done. You're dismissed. Bettina. Yes? What I need you to do... Yes? ...is to sneak into the turnip baron's turnip-growing yard. Oh! And take this... Injector thingy, <laughs> otherwise known as a syringe, and proceed to infect every single turnip in his yard. I think I believe Pedro heard every word. God damn it, Pedro. We'll find out what happens <laughs> to the turnip farm. Davis Grievous. Welcome back to the Jeepers Creepers Network. Oh, wow. Worth the price of admission itself. <laughs> Uh, what could happen next? We shall find more when you hold the control button and press letter next time on the italic and the underlined. But now it's time on the Grain of Truth Network for Monsters of the Rich and Famous. That's right. Your host is Scott McAteer and he'll take you on a fabulous and exclusive trip to visit some of the most haunted locations and most outlandish of monsters. Here is Scott McAteer now to lead you through Monsters of the Rich and Famous. Woo! Shock, horror, money and murder. In 1974, there was a murder. And in 1977, there was a book. In between was the shocking tale of shock, 
Murder, shock, horror, shock, and book deal. <laughs> That's right, and it all started in a little town called Amityville. In 1974, Billy DeFeo horrifically murdered his entire family. He was sent to jail after a lawyer tried to defend him, and his house was bought by a family called the Lutzes. The Lutzes reported strange things happening. They were irritated during the day. They were cold during the night. <laughs> there were flies around that really, really shat them. <laughs> Their small daughter had an imaginary friend that she would talk to, and that shat them too. <laughs> they reached the only obvious conclusion. Their house was haunted. Oh. So they called a demonologist. They called a vampire hunter. They called a Catholic priest. One of those three was proven to be a liar and a dodgy, dodgy person. <laughs> Guess which one? And when all of those failed, they reached out to the lawyer of Billy DeFeo, asking if he'd heard voices, telling him to kill, telling him who to kill, telling him how to kill, when to kill, what to kill. <laughs> and that lawyer gave them the most shocking information that they could possibly imagine. The information that they could make a lot of money out of this story. <laughs> and they did. And then they lost him in court cases. Next time on Monsters of the Rich and Famous, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> so was it the flies? Was mm. it the flies? No, I don't think that's what I I'm just a mystery. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, the, the, fly, the flies no, didn't the commit fly? the murder. No, I'm just In case you're wondering, it, it wasn't the flies that right, did the murder. Right. The flies came after the murder because okay, the house was closed. Well, well the, what, the, fly, the flies were like ambulance chasers? They just came after the murder? Unless <laughs> that's what the flies want us to think. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Next on the GOTN, Dr. Watsit and his amazing technical bread basket. This is amazing bread, Dr. Watsit. What? Speak up, I'm baking bread. Uh, now on the Grain of Truth Network, it's time for the Gender Agenda. Gender Agenda, the Gender Agenda. Gender Agenda, the Gender Agenda. Speak up, I'm baking bread. Gender agenda. Dr. Yes. Stacy Taylor yes. talks about gender in the modern digital age yes. with applied gender. Over to you, Dr. Stacy Taylor. So, gender. It's a very confusing concept for many. Put simply, gender describes the characteristics that a society or culture delineates as masculine or feminine. In other words, biology determines sex, and not necessarily in a binary way either, and gender is ascribed accordingly. A blunt instrument whereby one size does not at all. Therefore, and I apologise for stating the obvious, the best analogy for the listeners at home is applied mathematics. <laughs> that is to say, a combination of scientific method and specialised knowledge. But of course, we live in a digital age. Just because something is applied doesn't mean we have to do it manually, like a caveman slash woman. 
That's right, if you're gender confused, there's an app for that. <laughs> My app, the Gender Agenda, am I right? <laughs> Replaces the letter that used to arrive by mail when we were 11, from which J.K. Rowling makes her famous homage. This quaint piece of analogue communication operated something like the DNA ancestry that's so de rigueur, mapping the symbolic codes and representations that ascribe to you your unique gender identification. Scott's very interested. <laughs> so I'll tell you how it works. This simple app uses the same fingerprint technology that opens your smartphone and gives you an instant reading on whether you're currently gender queer, gender flux, bi-gender, tri-gender, gender non-conforming, intergender, pan-gender, feminine or masculine. <laughs> Once you've synced your app to all your devices, it will track your gender fluidity several times a day as well as counting your steps. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you want to share your gender fluid, and who doesn't? <laughs> You should purchase my companion app, Gender with Friends. <laughs> oh, stop, you're welcome. Gender agendas, the gender agenda. Gender agendas, the gender agenda. Thank you very much. And now we return to the Artelic and the Underlined. Last time, we noticed that Bertina was sneaking into the turnip farm when who should be watching her but Desmond? Screw them! Ah! 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 Quiet! <laughs> Last thing I need on my turnip farm is a hysterical woman. A hysterical woman with a syringe. A hysterical woman with a syringe of, if I'm not mistaken, turnip blight? <laughs> This is turnip flight. You're right. <laughs> uh, a rhyming hysterical woman with the syringe of, if I'm not mistaken, turnip flight. She sent you, didn't she? My hysteria manifests in couplets. <laughs> and wandering too far from my amplification systems. <laughs> What's your name, girl? <laughs> Bettina, that's a lovely name. A far too lovely name to be skulking around in the dirt. That's the kind of name that belongs up at the big house, smelling the varnish. <laughs> it's fresh, you know. I'm terribly distracted from my subterfuge by your devilish talk. Yes. Listen to me, Bettina. I'm listening. You don't have to blight my turnips. Yeah. We'll find out what happens <laughs> next time on the italic and the underline. Make sure you tune in to the next impeccably well-written episode of this soap opera. Well, that's all we have time for on the Grain of Truth Network. If you see some data in the streets, make sure you alert your local authorities. This episode featured Stacey Taylor, Liam Amor, Claire Callow, and Scott McAteer. Hosted by David Innes. Boffin supplied by Brendan Jelly. Station identity is provided by Christian Bazzari. Venue provided by the Wesleyan. Puns vetted by Asher Cameron. Being composed by Matthew Hedgraff. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.
And now, sport.